and welcome to another episode of Talkie Talk. This is the podcast for the media by us, and this is Brent, your host for the day, and this is TJ, a guest, a nor- not a guest, the yeah, normal no, guest. Yeah, I'm a guest of my own home. I just didn't know what else to, I didn't know what else to call the not host, but also a host. Chris is also here. Am I a host? You're everything. I'm Stephanie you're, Myers, the host. You're the host. Oh. <laughs> um... So we're going to be talking about what we've been watching, and some news, and what's at the theater, um, and TJ's tidbits. Bum, bum, bum. When does that happen? Right now. right now. And it starts right now. <laughs> the two most unprofitable films of all time have the same production company, oh, and they take place on the same foreign world, kind of. <laughs> Can you name either one? Cutthroat Island. <laughs> take place on cut Cutthroat World. I, did, I was like, I don't know what other movie takes place on Cutthroat Island, but is it John Carter? John Carter is number two all time. Oh, is it Mars Needs Moms? Mars Needs Moms. Yes, <laughs> number one. <laughs> Fuck yeah. you, tidbits. We crushed it. <laughs> <He> did. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's hilarious that the two most unprofitable films of all time are Disney, Disney. productions. Yeah, yeah, it was a fucking shotgun approach. Everything and that was like Robert Zemeckis produced. Had Seth Green in mocap, but not voice of a character. In which one? In Mars Needs Moms. Oh. Isn't that weird, though? That yeah. you would get Seth Green to do the mocap, but not the voice when that's like what he does for a living? Yeah. Voice work? I always get that movie confused with. It's a twin film with another movie that came out around that was animated. And it was called like Area 53 or something. Area 52, I believe. <laughs> Area 52. <laughs> um, they didn't go crazy, Chris. <laughs> um. Which was like an okay animated movie that's like the opposite of Mars Needs Moms. Where it's, they get these aliens and they're like, we need to bring these aliens for whatever reason. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, John Carter lost $127 million and Mars Needs Mom, both of these with marketing, lost $141 million. Yeah. John, John <laughs> Carter is a lot of money. And John Carter's not a terrible movie. It's just no, Mar- and Mars Needs Moms is like forty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. I mean, there are much worse movies. It's just that Mars Needs Moms, for some reason, had a budget of one hundred and fifty million dollars. Jesus Christ! It also <laughs> suffers from having a terrible fucking title. Mars Needs Moms. Yeah, yes. yeah. Some some executive really blew it with that one. But yeah, but I know that John Carter takes place on a fictional Mars, so don't, <laughs> don't yell at me. Don't at me. Yeah, don't at me. On Twitter, so you really can't. But <laughs> well, the media right. bias does. True. Don't at my podcast. Yeah, but please actually at our podcast. We <laughs> actually, yeah, I would love to hear from you. <laughs> Disregard this tidbit. The timestamp is going to be erased, and <laughs> we're moving on. Um, but I can jump on in with what I watched. I watched one thing. If y'all mind, go for it. What'd you watch? I started a TV show. Um, also a Disney TV show, cartoon for kids that. Got recommended to me by... The Adventure Zone? No. Because <laughs> they do talk about how rad it is. Yes, they did talk about that. But it got recommended to me by Nathaniel, I think. Sorry if I'm forgetting who recommended it to me. But somebody said I would like it after our talk about Taz. Yeah. Um, it's called Gravity Falls. It's on Hulu. I've heard of Gravity Falls. I've heard good things about that. Yeah. It's won like every award you can win. Uh, guy who... For it's won the Nobel show. Prize. <laughs> for animated TV shows. <laughs> yeah. No, it won a Medal of Honor. <laughs> a Purple Heart somehow. The Booker Prize. It's got an um, Arthur Genius Grant. 
No, and the guy who uh, created it, Adam Hirsch, I believe is his name, um, set out and only wanted to do two seasons, wanted it to end. Yeah. Like, have an ending. But it's pretty much two kids go visit their great uncle who runs, uh, it's called a mystery shack in the town of Gravity Falls, Oregon. And it's like a tourist trap with, like, get your picture taken with Bigfoot statue and shit like that. But all this crazy shit's in town. Nice. Um, like the first episode, they fight a horde of gnomes. And later on, there's whack statues that come to life, and they have to fight them off. What makes them whack? Yeah. Brett <laughs> uh, brought jokes. Yeah. Wax statues. Oh, wax. Yeah. Okay. That's a different word than the one you said. Yes. But. <laughs> so I do understand now why people are like criticizing Clint McElroy in the Adventure Zone. In uh, the next, not the arc that, not Amnesty, arc. Amnesty yeah. his Cryptonomica is a lot like... Yes, it is. And they address that in DD Adventure Zone Zone, but... Right. Um, will you start Amnesty? Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like eight eps in. Nice. I'm all the way caught up. I'm waiting for them to release a, another episode. Nice. Yeah. yeah. But I definitely recommend Gravity Falls. It's on Hulu. They're 20-minute episodes. I think there's only like 20. And not to put you on the spot, but what else has Adam Hirsch done? The name is familiar... And um, are they at all related to Judd Hirsch? They are not. So I know that it's Judd Hirsch, Hirsch. Okay, I know Judd Hirsch does have a has a he does have a kid who is acting. Um, he really is known for Gravity Falls. Okay. He's the creator, writer, animator, and voice actor. Okay, for so, that show, so just kind of like a Rebecca Sugar thing with like Steven Universe, where she didn't really do anything, and then she created this like hit animated show. Yeah, but he's won both seasons of it, won Annie Awards, and both seasons of it won Baftas. Nice. So. Um, it's really good, and it's got one of my favorite um, vocal work voice artists out there. Kristen Shaw voices the girl sister. Oh, nice! And she's so good. Yeah, Kristen Shaw has such a great voice for you know animated shows. Yeah, and uh, man, I wish we should do an episode about like great voice actors of all time. Jason Ritter voices Dipper, the little brother. Cool. So they're real good, and then Alex Hirsch voices most everything else, but. Linda Cardellini is a lead. J.K. Simmons is a lead. Neil deGrasse Tyson's in it. Bunch of folks. There's a creature there's a, who is invaded. Yeah, there's a cat, too. The cat kind of sounds like this. <laughs> uh, it's it's weird. She's got this, this pendant on her collar. It looks like a big marble. <laughs> We're not hurting the cat. We're, we're teleporting her out of the room. Yes. She's been evicted. <laughs> they watch movies. Bing! <laughs> if we could replace the ding with just that elongated... <laughs> As she hovered over the microphone. That's, I, I hope that the, the stereophonic nature of it comes through and it sounds like... sick Doppler effect. <laughs> <laughs> I do kind of want to... After we uh, export this, I do want to see if we can isolate Cat just that meow. noise. And... Uh, we're going to say 710. Okay. That's where it is. <laughs> we should put that in the show notes. <laughs> meow. People are like, who the fuck is Meow? And why did they guess on this episode? <laughs> uh, Gravity Falls. Yeah, I just highly recommend it. Like I said, it's on Hulu. I've watched the first season in two days. I'll probably finish it this, today. Cool. So I'm also excited that he sat out and he was like, I don't want this show to die the way that other animated shows die. Like, he yeah. wrote a complete story and he's going to tell the whole thing. When did it first air? 2016. 2016. Cool. So check it out on your Hulus. And nice. has that been it for you? That's it for me. All right. Chris, what you been watching? Well, cool. I uh, I watched uh, one show that everyone's talking about and then I played a game. 
Uh, I watched a Netflix original show. Glass Blasters? <laughs> uh, I did watch Stranger Things, but we're going to wait to talk about that till later. Um, but I watched a reality competition show about glass blowing. And I'm going to let you guys keep guessing the title of it if you want. Blown Away. Yes. Really? Oh, fuck! Oh! My pre-podcast guesses were funnier than that. Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> but so, we... So I just like randomly saw it on there. We had a, like a slow weekend day. And I was like... I know nothing about glass blowing. I think it's pretty cool. And here's a reality competition show about glass blowing. So I'm in. And I watched all of it. It's like eight episodes or ten episodes. I don't really know. I just kind of let it autoplay and went about my business. Uh, but it's kind of neat. Um, it, like it, it occupies that space in Netflix's production budget, like towards the bottom half. But so it's definitely not their like high production. Like if you watched. Um, Whatever that like international uh, cooking competition was, where they brought chefs in from all over the world to compete. Yeah, I forget what it was called, but I never talking about. Yeah, I watched that. That was really good. But this is this is definitely like a little bit lower production value, um, probably because the equipment is so expensive. Because they brought in uh, a bunch of like two thousand degree Fahrenheit like kilns to melt the glass, and uh, all the equipment is there for them. They've got like a bank of just. Um, a bank of, uh, like, color rods, and looks really cool. But, yes, yeah, it's glass-blowing, and... I got lost in a reality show like that one day where I watched, like, two seasons of it because it was airing on TLC or Netflix. Please tell me it's Skin Wars. No, it was uh, Forged in Fire. Have you all seen that? I know the guy who it's about, right? Is no, it competition? It's, it's competition okay. the same way. It's, it's kind of like uh, Triple G. Like, it's three random people every episode. Okay. Um, but... They fucking make swords and knives, and it's fucking crazy. Cool. Yeah. Now I feel like I'm gonna go watch that. You should. It's 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 ridiculous. But this is like every episode they bring in a whole like cow. Oh. Part of the rules is it has to be able to cut through the cow in a single slice. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Wait, I, like like a side of beef or like a, a hung? Okay, okay, a butchered cow, a butchered skin. Just like, it doesn't look anything like a cow. What? what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, cow test. You ready? <laughs> Drop the gate. There's <laughs> a bull runs out. <laughs> Kill him with one blow. <laughs> like, yeah, Jesus. Um, but yeah, so this is really intriguing. Although I think they kind of blew it with casting um, because <laughs> there's ten people who are competing, and four of them are like complete like newbies who like do this as a hobby who are like 21, 22 to like 24 years old and they've only been making glass uh, art and structures and stuff for like 3 years and then there's four people who've been doing it for like 25 to 30 years people who are like internationally recognized artists in this medium who wow. like when the spoiler but, like, when the finals come down to, like, two people who've been blowing glass for 30 years apiece, it's like, well, fucking obviously. I would hope so. Yeah. If not, they're like, what have I done with my life? Yeah. And so I don't know if that's, like, a, a producer call or, like, what happened, but it was just be a hard to find people who are good enough to be on TV. Yeah. But it was kind of cool because it's one person who is, like, technically the best glass blower, and then one person who is, like, creatively 
the most interesting glass blower who are like up and do like a full like exhibit uh, when they're done. <laughs> this is one person making like crazy art sculptures. The other person is like, I made a glass. No, they like <laughs> so it doesn't leak. <laughs> So the, he makes like a bunch of, they're called canes, like the long thin pieces of glass. Mm-hmm. So he makes like a hundred of them and they're all identical and they're hung from the ceiling that look like raindrops. And they're like, they look like copies of each other, which is impossible to do in glass blowing. You can't make an exact copy. Right. Um, and that's the kind of a like technical proficiency he has. That's and like fun. Making like really thin, but like perfectly geometric shapes. And then she makes this, uh... It's kind of like a play on like the gender politics and glass blowing because it's so like male dominated, but like through the lens of like a breakfast table. So there's like eggs and sausages and stuff, and that's meant to like represent, you know, that stuff. And so hers is super creative, and his is very technical. But it's an interesting show because it's something I know nothing about. Um, yeah, I know nothing about glass blowing. Yeah, and I, I thought like I had like some idea. Like I, I know about like you know you have a rod, you blow into it. That's the glass blowing part of it. But then I saw, like, their technique of blowing into it, and it's really just, like... Like, dragging it? Yeah, and they would, like, take, put it on poles called punties. Yeah. And they'd swing it around. Yeah, I used to really like watching them at, the, like, Renaissance Fair. Yeah. Little we'd go there. There'd always be somebody blowing glass there. Although, like, it never... I never didn't giggle any time uh, they mentioned... Whenever they need to flash a piece of glass to make it malleable again, it goes into a device... A box, an oven called a glory hole, and that—that <laughs> that is funny every time. Um, everything I know about glass blowing, I think, was from the movie Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> so, <laughs> never seen it. Oh, <laughs> jokes over my Your head. homework this week. <laughs> no, it's going to be. That was filmed in my hometown. Uh, but, from Alabama town? <laughs> no, that was filmed in Peachtree City, Georgia. Yep, it's how bad Alabama is. Yep, but. Uh, yeah, so I would recommend it. It's they're only like thirty minute episodes, so it goes by really quick. They don't do because it's Netflix. They don't do the like previously on, or they don't do the like commercial breaks where they lead up to a cliffhanger and then the after the commercial break they recap. They reshow the thing. That's the yeah. worst. <laughs> um, like there's this weird thing. Kelly's watching the show Harlots. It's a Hulu original, but they still have like title splashes to indicate like breaks. And I just don't understand why it's there. It's like, in case you forgot what you're watching, it's like, Harlot's like, oh yeah, that's right. Forge of Fire is on Hulu, and it's funny, because they'll do the thing where there's actually only about, like, I don't know, ten minutes of new content every episode. Yeah. And, uh, they'll, uh, because they'll cut away, Marshall come back, tell you everything that happened in the last break, then give you, like, two minutes of new shit, and do that over and over again. So on Hulu, it's very repetitive. <laughs> uh, that would be infuriating. Yeah, I think I watched uh, some old like cartoon GI Joes on uh, uh, on one of those streaming services, and it was the same thing. So it's, it's just at the end of each segment of GI Joe, it's just the the title card is GI Joe, <laughs> and then you come back and it's just back to back GI Joe <laughs> once again. It's like every. Ten minutes. You get a double tap of Jojo. <laughs> yes. You're the only person who's rewatched Lost. Does that get annoying? Just randomly having black screens and noises throughout the episode on a rewatch. Um, or do they edit those out for the streaming service? Yeah, no. They uh, the episodes flow pretty well. Okay. On on rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> the cat the came back cat in. has made it back in. Went yeah. to the window cylinder. I thought it was gonna like. Stay for a while. <laughs> she's making sounds like she's in heat. 
so the other thing I did was I played a new game that came out. Ooh, what game? I played the game. Uh, I talked about the kind of prequel Kickstarter bonus that came out earlier in the year. Or maybe I talked about it last year. Uh, but I played uh, Koji Igarashi, the guy who basically created Castlevania. Uh, his new game, uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Oh. Um, this is one of the most anticipated Kickstarter games. Um it's just a lot of fun. It's a lot like Castlevania Symphony of the Night. It's got like pretty traditional RPG elements. Um, I talked about uh, uh, Time Spinners before, uh, where it's basically a carbon copy of this game that was like wildly successful. Um, but in Igarashi's case, I kind of he kind of gets a pass because it was his fucking game, right? He, he no longer works at Konami because Konami really isn't in the business of making games except for Pro Evolution Soccer. Uh, and then uh, pachinko machines, and so if you're not doing that, Konami wants no part of what you're up to. And so he kickstarted this game and made a bunch of money, and it's a uh, really cool. It's a lot of fun. You kind of explore this castle. It's got the classic Metroidvania mechanics, where like you go through an area, you realize places you can't get to, you keep advancing, and then you get a double jump. So then you go back to those places, you use double jump to reach those previously inaccessible areas. And then you advance to a certain point, realize you can't do that, and then you get like a technique. And so that's kind of like the, the flow. Uh, but on top of that, there's the, it's, there's a really complicated crafting, dismantling, and inventory system, which <coughs> kind of keeps it spicy. Um, you've got you know equipment slots that you would have for like any RPG, weapon, head, armor, right. accessories. And then uh, her thing is that you play the character Miriam. She has a scarf, which is kind of harkening back to Symphony of the Night, where you have a cloak. That is like a visual customization that you get that provides some minor staff bonuses. But within that, you can also like cook food, which you get ingredients from monster drops. You get shards from killing enemies, which give you like magic. And you can have f up to five of those equipped at any time. The first time you eat a food, you get a permanent staff bonus. Every time after that, you just get kind of like HP refill. There's like quest systems. And it's just like there are really complicated systems that you can dive into. But it's all gated by what monsters can drop. So it never gets too much at any given time. Huh. Um, and then there's just like a pretty traditional leveling system. For each enemy you kill, you get a set number of experience points. Uh, depending on, you know, if you're fighting someone who's like way over your level, then you'll get kind of a penalty. And way under your level, you'll get kind of a penalty. So you're just kind of trying to force you into that sweet spot of progression. Right. Um, but it's a, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It is very competently made. made competently made game uh it's pretty punishing uh you know it's because it's on modern consoles the idea of like suspending the application and then like watching netflix on that device exists so save points are much fewer and farther farther between further between uh. so like and it's it's not forgiving like if you play for 30 minutes and you die all that progress is reset you go back to the save point Ooh. which is much more traditional because now, if you play a game and you die, it's like, oh, what what auto saved as soon as you enter this area? Mm -hmm. There's no auto saving like that at all, um, hmm. which is pretty cool. Uh, I've I haven't gotten frustrated with the game before, um, or I haven't gotten frustrated at myself with a game in a while when I die. But when it like I made it to this boss that I had no idea I was basically skipping a whole chunk. I was just 
you know, I'm pretty good with some of the movement mechanics. It right. kind of like snuck my way into this area I wasn't supposed to be in. And I fought this boss and she just like wiped the floor with me like a dozen times. But like every time getting to her was a chore because I didn't realize that a room near her was a save point that uh, I just like completely overlooked. Right. So I kept like retreading the same area, the same like 15 minute progress through like difficult enemies because I'm not supposed to be there. Right. I hate that. And games. fighting her. And I was just, I sat there and I was like, am I supposed to be doing this? Right. And then I just stopped and I was like, okay, let me rethink this. Is that a better way? Went back to the person who kind of gives you like the quest reminders and they were like, hey, have you decided to, have you thought about going to the library? And I'm like, the library? What the fuck? And so I just like walked around and found it and I was like, okay, this makes a lot more sense. Did you play a lot of Castlevania growing up? I didn't play a lot of Castlevania. I kind of had like a, like a side eye about it. You know, I, I knew it existed and was doing its thing. Mm -hmm. David did, didn't he? So we played, so the PS1 game, Symphony of the Night is the one we really played. Okay. But we didn't play a lot of the classic games until we started uh, messing around with ROMs and emulators. Yeah. Um, I had uh, Castlevania 2 for the NES, yeah. and I had a notebook that I kept with details on all the towns and all the things that I needed. Because it's a, it's a hard game to just remember where you need to like go yeah. back to and remember where stuff is. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, it, it, that stuff is so obscured in Castlevania 2. Mm -hmm. um, same with Legend of Zelda 2. It's like it is intentionally vague because they wanted to create a puzzle. Yeah. But then they also had just like limitations. So like dialogue boxes couldn't be that big. Right. So when people tell you like like bizarre shit, mm -hmm. like and you jot it down, it's like it's way more like there's no like quest log that you can go look at and right. like recap what some like rando villager told you because you went there like at the right hour before the curse set in. Right. Um, so there's some of that. Mm -hmm. There's like. There's an NPC who gives you quests, and the whole thing is just to, like, help you progress your, like, so that you don't ignore one of, like, the item trees. And so her whole thing is she's, like, an older lady, and she wants food. She remembers food, but doesn't know what it's called. And so she just describes it to you. And so right now, I'm pretty sure she wants paella. And so I have to, like, go kill some fish and, like, get some rice. Right. But, like, it's, there's that kind of puzzle thing involved hmm. there, but... And then she gives you, like, cool equipment that can be useful in making your weapons stronger and stuff. But. Neat. I found out something fun about Konami this week. And I know, like, Google algorithms work different on, like, your history and yeah. signed in and where you are in the country and all that. But uh, in Googling just Konami, a Konami code pops up yeah. before Konami on Google search on Wikipedia for me. Yeah. Which is, that's just a testament to yeah. that they haven't done shit. Yeah. Not doing shit, actually, that... that up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B thing is more commonly searched yeah. than Konami is these days. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm really interested. I mean, Konami basically got out of the video games business around the time that Metal Gear Solid Five came out. It was like in the middle of, in the middle of like launch, they basically showed Hideo Kojima the door. Um, right. And they told him that he was, well, this is speculation, but... He basically went on like an, an unannounced two-month vacation because that's how they fire top-level executives in Japanese companies. They tell them to use their, their remaining vacation, and then they just kind of go away, and then they transition while they're gone. And then when they're back, they're like, yep, no more. Like, that, the, like Hideo Kojima has left. Right. Um, so when people go on long vacations, you kind of understand what it is. Right. But... That's all I did. I recommend Bloodstained. It's on Switch, PS4, uh, PC. I don't know if it's on Xbox, but uh, apparently the Switch version is kind of a shit show. 
big biggest complaint about it is the load times are insufferable. Uh, I'm not playing on a PS4 Pro. I'm just playing on a regular PS4. Oh, I've been meaning to mention for a couple of months too that Stardew Valley is on iOS now <coughs> oh, yeah? too, for tablet and phone. So if you're not a PC person, that's a game that high level gamers like Chris loved, Brent uh, or David, who kind of in the middle loved, and me, who's a super novice, fell in love with it real quick. Yeah, it's five bucks on iOS. Nice. It's a super fun little farming yeah. simulator with more. Yeah. yeah, maybe I'll check it out. I'm not as I'm not as be great on the tablet. I mean, the mechanics on it are not, yeah, right, not hard. So yeah, yeah. cool, cool, crazy. I want some stuff. <coughs> cool. So, Glad one of us did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to start the most recent thing I watched was last night. My wife put this on, and I've actually never seen it before. 1988 movie Heather's. Heather's oh, cool. Is great. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I don't. It's a, it's a, it is a movie like many 80s movies that it's just like, there are moments in it that are just like, like, well, you don't hear that much anymore in movies. It will, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but, uh, I did like it though. I did like the movie. Um, yeah, it's crazy, man. It it's is. a bonker story. It is out there. Yeah. Because for a lot of the movie, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, is all this actually happening? And then it's like, yeah, it, it really is. It's just some dark shit. There's a question, and we're all in Learn League, uh, this trivia website thing, and there's a question recently, it was like, these three actresses had what name in what 1988 movie? You remember yeah. that? Yeah. And uh, I got it right, and our buddy Clint was like, like movie nerd, well, I've never heard of that movie, and I was like, oh, it's good. It's got good reviews, too. Yeah. It's like, it's around 90% of Rotten Tomatoes, I think. Sure. Yeah. But uh, Christian Slater's crazy in that movie, though. It's a weird role for him. It's, yeah. In fact, he's... I feel like if anything brings the movie down a little bit, it might be him in that movie. He's just like, he's trying to turn on his like inner Jack Nicholson so hard. <laughs> I liked it though, because he's such a lovable looking dude. Especially yeah. in the 80s. That it's weird that he's, I don't really want to call him psychopathic. I don't know what he is. He's just crazy. And Chaotic yeah. neutral. <laughs> he thinks he has a plan, I think. It's just like he doesn't think anything through, I feel like. What if he's Tyler Durden? He's her Tyler Durden. He's Winona Ryder's Tyler Durden? Yeah. What's her name in that? Veronica. Veronica. I really like Winona Ryder in that movie. Yeah, she's good. That's in the best peak Winona too. time. Yeah. That's like right before The Crucible, maybe? When The Crucible come out? Late 80s? I'm not sure. It's around there. But she is really good in that. Um... I did. I did forget one thing that I watched. Did you have more on Heather's? Not really. I just wanted to see what see what y'all thought about Heather's. Is it streaming I, on something? It's on Netflix, I believe. It's one of those movies that everybody should watch. I feel like. Yeah. If you're yeah. a, especially if you're like a, any kind of cinephile type. Yeah. It's a good cult movie. I do recommend it. I don't know if I love it as much as a lot of people love it, but I recommend it. Hey, yeah, like four like stars it. probably. Yeah. I'm not going to timestamp this because it's impossible to spoil, but I will say that I watched Aziz Ansari's new stand-up special that's on Netflix. Uh, I've been meaning to get around to that. Okay. I heard he addresses some things. Yeah. He kind of bookends it talking about the sexual assault allegations, and I'm kind of torn in how I feel about it. He both handles it gracefully and talks about it without dismissing it and without making a joke about it. There are like really sincere moments where he seems pretty choked up. Um, but then on the other hand, I kind of wonder if this like appeal to victimhood is insincere in a way because his kind of Me Too allegation is 
seen by a lot of people as kind of suspect in the way that it was like an anonymous source contacting uh, a not as legitimate publisher and well and she I don't want to say admitted right because that sounds like she did something wrong but she hit they both have the same story of what happened that night. right he, it, and, you know and he's like I'm so sorry if me being like you want to fool around or being like no and me being like cool let's watch Netflix and then we sat there and watched Netflix together and it was real awkward like and then we fooled around a little bit yeah, yeah. like I don't know I don't know. Like when, I've, when both sides are to have the same story, it's I know this isn't what this podcast is about, right. but you know what I mean. It is suspect when both sides have the same story. One side thinks it's wrong, and one side thinks this doesn't. And it's public knowledge, and most of the public still hasn't decided either. Right, and and I'm still kind of it's it's hard, you know, because I'm I'm on team hashtag believe women, but it's 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 so hard in this in this situation. But I think that his his apology. And he says, like, I haven't said anything about it, but here's what I will say right now, because you're all here, you bought a ticket to this, so you're either expecting me to say something, or you've forgiven me, and I don't understand why you've forgiven me yet. But he says, what I'm going to do from now on is make sure that I never make someone feel like that again. He's like, whatever happened, whatever your interpretation, I'm just going to make sure I never... That, that situation never arises for anyone. I feel terrible that someone f- felt that way after an interaction with me. So it wasn't like a, I'm sorry you're hurt, yeah. which is, I think, a bad apology. But it was like a, I'm sorry that I have the ability to hurt people without knowing, so I'm going to change. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. it's it's hard. Right. But the jokes in it are funny. You know, Aziz Ansari is still a great stand-up. Uh, and he does uh, a couple bits. He does a lot of, he does more crowd work stuff that's, that's really kind of amusing. He toned down a lot. Too as he grew up, yeah. A lot of, I toned down like his early stand up was a lot of like that DJ Randy, like yeah. that shit was just like so much going on. And if you didn't like that style of disease, I'm sorry. Uh, this is kind of hit this act, this bit that he does, his hour is kind of like a retrospective on his career. And he like lampoons himself and talks about how like jokes don't work. And it's called Right Now, and that's kind of the theme of it. Uh, but the cool thing about it, it's directed by Spike Jones. And uh, it doesn't do the traditional uh, balcony cam. It's uh, there's a cameraman on stage with him, kind of filming him at like on like a bias. That's fun. Yeah. So it's like an interesting like change in the way that it's filmed. Yeah, I'm all about the directed like by filmmakers comedy and music. Shit. Yeah. Stop making sense. Last waltz. That kind of thing. Yeah. But, sorry to interrupt your watch list, I just wanted to mention that I saw it. That's okay. Next thing I was going to mention was I watched Aziz on Sorry's right now. <laughs> I'm not scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did not like it as much as you. I just, I don't know. I just, you know, it, comedy is hard too, to like, yeah. it's sometimes the same comic. Three people, the three of us, could all love one it's a cup of tea set. thing, man. We could yeah. have differing views on a different set, and we could all hate the same thing. Yeah. You right. just never know. Right. Uh, we actually had some weird audio issues with that. Really? When he's whispering, we found it inaudible. Oh, we I didn't have that problem. And we had to turn it way up, so he whispers a ton into the microphone in this uh, special. And we just had to we had to crank it way up when he was uh, when he was whispering, so we didn't know if we didn't know what was happening. But it's. It might be a device thing. Could it might be. be. I was gonna say, I wonder because you've got external speakers, right, for your TV. I do. I wonder if there was some issue there. Could be where it's not it's not optimized for like surround sound, right, or right. something, or it's or it could be the fact that I watched it on a on a Fire Stick. 
Right. But I had no problem streaming it through the PS4. I heard it okay. without turning subtitles on. So I hate subtitles in stand up. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it takes away from it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel I don't know. Some of the stuff didn't work as mo- as well for me. Some of the some of the crowd work I think was what I didn't like. Uh, I did like some of the crowd work. I thought I think uh, uh, Dan the Dan Greenblatt stuff was Dan hilarious. Greenblatt was the highlight of the crowd stuff. I yeah. think. Um, but uh, I think. Once he kind of settled into getting away from, uh, well, yeah, he spends a good bit of the the special making jokes about like, uh, can't say anything anymore right. these days, and so it it is kind of a weird vibe considering what he comes out and talks about at the start, and then he spends a lot of time talking about how how. Though making fun of woke people a little bit, yeah. Um, and even though the jokes are, they are truthful. Like it, it is a you know, oh, the what they're written, the way jokes are meant to be written, right? Kind of but it's a, uh, it's an odd tone. But I, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I just, I was like, eh, this wasn't as funny as I wanted it to be. But right. I did watch it. Um, I'm glad you liked it though. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's hard to say. Like you know, I'm not going to be someone who's like, this is he's Ansari's best special. I am kind of energized by the fact that, like, this is the first person, maybe not the first, but this is an example of a person who has been affected by a sexual assault allegation and who has come out and said, like, a a very public one, like the Casey Affleck one is obviously very public, but that kind of predates the Me Too movement a little bit, Mm -hmm. Um, but who has come out and been like, I'm still going to try to have a career, and if you're in for that, then, like, here's my apology kind of on, like, a poster board as you walk into the venue. If you don't accept that, then fine. Don't patronize me. But I'm thankful that you guys are here. And he gives that, like, tearful thank you at the end. Yeah. Which is really emotionally intense. He has de- he definitely he has some moments of, like, that some people watching or that were there were probably going to have some very serious, like, emotional reactions to. Yeah. And then he has a way of... of he has a good way of bringing you back from that. Yeah. He's also been one of those kind of, I put him in the same boat for me as like uh, Jim Gaffigan, which is, I've always loved his writing and performance in film and TV. Yeah. Never been a big fan of his, he's just stand up stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm and curious this, to see it because like I thought Bastard Nun was, you know, probably my favorite TV show in both of its seasons. Yeah. Uh, both of its years. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to give it a go. This may have been my first Aziz stand up. Okay. That I couldn't get through a lot of the old and ones. They were so just much. You know his, what I mean? His delivery is a little old fashioned to me, but not like not like old fashioned from the sixties, but old fashioned from like the nineties. Yeah, is what it reminds me of. Um, anyway, I wouldn't go out of my way to go see it, but if you like a season, sorry, check it out. I would watch it because I think it's a, an interesting reaction to uh, the era that we are in now with the appropriate, or if you think it's inappropriate, sensitivity to the way we talk about things. I think it's an interesting kind of jocular perspective about it. Yeah, I agree. That, as, that aspect was interesting. Um, Alright, just uh, three more movies I want to talk about. One is, uh, one TJ talked about last week, Midsommar. How'd you like it? I really like Midsommar. Yeah, it's, it's submitted as for me and it's my favorite movie of the year at the moment. I think it's Probably top five for you. Yes, it's top uh, three for me. Okay, cool. Uh, along with Us and Toy Story 4 are my three favorite movies so far this year. Nice. My top three. Um, and uh, 
so the story and the themes of Midsommar are, are not bad in any way, but they don't, like, blow me away. Yeah. But the, uh, like, the set design and the costumes and the, it, all the technical aspects. The filmmaking. Is, the filmmaking it's behind ridiculous. it is yeah. just incredible. I mean, that that's kind of what we said about Hereditary, right? Yeah. To an extent, yeah. That's it, true. I mean, I think Ari Aster just has a great eye for, like, filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is a very talented director. Yeah. So, I, I'm not going to talk about it too long. I think TJ, what he said about it was, was spot on last week. So, I'm uh, just backing that up. Did you agree with my isolation theme as being one of the big ones? Maybe. Are you talking about how, like... Uh, I just mean how everything in that movie, all the bad things that happen, tend to be a representative of some kind of isolation. Depression, you know, family loss, drugs, you know, mm-hmm. tripping is a very... Even if you're doing it with people, it is an isolated event in your mind. Yeah. There's no hallucinogenic drug that is not a dissociative. Right. Yeah, that movie is just uh, it's breathtaking to watch, because uh, I love the cinematography... I really love the, I'll just, uh, I'll call it the dance scene. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's great. It's amazing. It's fantastic. The it's way probably it's, the, the, cl- shot. the climax? The beginning of the climax, anyway? Yeah. It's funny, because I'm going to be excited for like this like cool dance scene. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to go, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Will Poulter's really funny in the movie. So funny. And uh, So weird. I really, I was uh, quite impressed with the performance from the lead star of the movie. Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh is her name. She's had a great year. Um, she blew up on the scene with Lady Macbeth, came out a couple of years ago. Al loved her in that. And then this year she's been in the lead in Midsummer and Fighting With My Family. And oh, nice. She was great in that, too. So. Can, we, can we start calling Al frequent contributor instead of... I'm just going to say Al, of, of the media bias. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, shows yeah. up for... Enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, I watched a 2018 movie that uh, I don't think I don't know if any of us saw last year. Under the Silver Lake. I hadn't. It was on my list, and then it didn't get as good reviews as I wanted it to get. Yeah, and so I'm kind of right there with the reviews, which is just sort of like middling. There's there's some good here if you like uh, Southern California noir films. Like if you just really dug like Inherent Vice and Inherent Vice, The Long Goodbye. Uh, Black Dahlia shit. Right. Then you're probably going to at least enjoy the process of watching Under the Silver Lake. Because it's it's the same thing. It's a a guy who... uh, Andrew Garfield is an out-of-work sort of stoner, just dude living in L.A. Yeah. um, Who uh, has an evening where he spends uh, hanging out with his beautiful neighbor, Riley Keough. And um, she invites him back over the next day. Presumably for some sex, and uh, he shows up the next day, and she. I'm here for the sex, miss. <laughs> it's like, yep, and so sex is here. By the way, I'm here for the sex, miss. Is pretty much his uh, ethos in this movie okay. <laughs> for the entire movie. That doesn't really speak Andrew Garfield to me, but I trust the casting decision. <laughs> um, anyway, she's completely moved out. Everything's gone. Um, there's a mysterious symbol on the wall. It's been painted on the wall, and. Uh, there's like one box of, of little, I don't know, dildos. Actually, yes, <laughs> little dildos. It's, it's like one tiny. one 
there is one in there. But uh, anyway, he's... You wrote a movie. <laughs> so the rest of the movie is just about him trying to uncover what happened to her. And it's got... Him trying to figure out what that dildo does. <laughs> it's got lots of, like, dildos. L.A. <laughs> weirdness. Yeah. And it's... Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. And I somewhat enjoyed it, but at the end... I don't know. I feel like the movie is trying to say progressive things about the way women are treated in Hollywood. Okay. Um, and I think that the way... I mean, he very much just... Every time he sees a new woman, it's just... Like, you are seeing her as a very... You know, like wolf eyes jumping out of his head, tongue rolling out like a carpet. Yeah, there's okay. a lot of that. There's one scene where he follow, He just follows a random girl down the street, and all he, the, the camera is just on her ass for like... A while. Are you sure you didn't watch a pornography? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's it's really bizarre, but at least the mystery aspect is interesting enough. Right. I don't know that I'd go out of my way to call was, it. Was the mystery who ordered the pizza? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the the handyman came. Uh, oh, <laughs> the pipes got. Was clean. he also there? <laughs> And the last uh, movie I watched was Spider-Man: Far From Home. Oh, cool! So we've got a new Marvel movie. You like all those other Marvel movies? (laughs) Check that box. Then you're probably gonna like this Marvel movie. It's another one. (laughs) That's the way I describe it. There's what have we not seen yet in the Marvel movie universe? Nothing. Iron Man three. That's what I've not seen. Oh. Yet. <laughs> I was uh, like, I got some bad news for you, Chris. That came out. <laughs> no! <laughs> but this well, is... I hope that Tony Stark character is doing well. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> it's it's a good movie. It's a... Uh... It's a good movie. Yeah, I don't know. If, uh, I mean, it's it's got... It's got an interesting villain. It's got... Uh... I, I really like... I think the, str- the strengths of the movie are Peter's class... Okay. And classmates, when they go to... They are well casted in that franchise. I mean, um, you've got fucking Zendaya playing third fiddle to uh, Hall and Tom Holland. Yeah, but I like and his, she's a terrific actress in her own right. I like his buddy. I think he's yeah. casted well. And I think the way they did... Uh, I don't know. The they bully. got the... Flash. Yeah, I think the way they did Flash in the old franchise is neat. Yeah. And they've got the... Uh, wait, who's Flash. Flash. I don't know if he's in this one, but he's like he's he's the uh, he's the dark skinned kid or who the bully uh, the, the, the rich kid yeah. who in Homecoming oh, yeah. he steals his he's car. the jock in every other one, but in this one he's like the head nerd kind of right. Yeah, he's the kid from uh, I've seen him in something else. I think anyway, um, the first Spider Man movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, that's the aspect I like most about it. Um, the action scenes are also pretty good. They're they're um, above average for Marvel. Yeah. So so good. Um, everything else is just like I, I don't know. It's just a continuation of the story. It's uh, it's this is our first post end game movie, so there's definitely a lot of uh, um, reference to the events of Endgame. Yeah, I know that the trailer comes came with a big spoiler warning once Endgame was still in theaters. Um, the the actually the way they the way they treat the whole Thanos the whole everything that happened with Thanos is actually pretty funny. Um. I think the movie starts off with one of my favorite gags in all the MCU, but uh, I was the only person in the theater just laughing my ass off. Everybody <laughs> else was. It starts off with a uh, a high school 
video production tribute to Tony Stark. <laughs> I loved all the high school broadcasts in Homecoming. I thought they were fucking hilarious. Yes. And so everybody else in the theater is like thinking this should be solemn. And I'm just like, this is obviously <laughs> yeah. a joke. This is funny. Um, but I, I do recommend it. It's, I don't know, Marvel movies are getting hard to talk about where it's just like, yeah, like, well, it's good. What do you want me to say? It's good. Right. <laughs> they don't really, it doesn't really bring a lot new to the table, but it also doesn't need to, to be entertaining. Yeah. So I do recommend Spider-Man. I've, I've heard some people saying that Spider-Man is like a top two or three MCU movie and I, I'm, I'm not quite there. Yeah. Uh, but I've also heard people saying it's awful, and uh, they're just definitely wrong. Well, it's interesting because the the track record of Spider-Man movies, the sophomore effort is it has an interesting range to it. Yeah. Where the Tobey Maguire number two is seen as the best of that run, and maybe the best Spider-Man movie. Right. And then the uh, Andrew Garfield, uh, I'm here to fuck, miss. Uh, <laughs> the second one is seen as probably the worst Spider-Man movie, period. Yeah. And now, I was interested to know which this where the, the, the needle tipped towards on Far From Home. This is probably on par with Homecoming for me. Okay. Uh, I liked it. Um, I would like... I, I think Spider-Man 2 is, is still ahead and... and uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 is still in the trash can. Yes. <laughs> still in the trash can. And then uh, uh, the cartoon one from last year. Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse okay. is, is ahead. Yeah, of these for me, but this is uh, this was this is good, um, but that's it for me. That's what I've been watching. Cool. Time to get breezy. Time to get breezy. I watched a trailer that I bet y'all saw or bet Chris saw anyway because he's a bigger fan of the original film. But I got a full trailer for the next Disney live action coming yeah. out, and uh, it looked good. The Mulan trailer, yeah. There. Um. I got more out of it than I ever have from a Disney live action trailer. I think. Yeah, it looks like they're they're going to be doing what the Lion King is is being criticized for. It looks like pretty faithful, uh, except we don't see any glimpse of Mushu, which is interesting. I was going to ask you about that. I wonder if they're going to like write. You can't really write him out, so I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with that. Yeah, it. I mean, they might just be saving him for the last trailer or for the film, or maybe you know, he's a another animal, yeah, not a dragon. And, or, I mean, because that's, you know, these movies aren't being released for kids. They're being released for, for adults us. who yeah. saw them as kids. Right. And we don't really, maybe they're like, well, we don't need that comic relief anymore. Uh, so we're just not going to put Mushu in. Or maybe Mushu's going to be like an internal monologue because it's, it's the, he's the herald of the ancestors. Right. So it, the reason why he goes on this is just because he's like, I got nothing to do. Um, you know, you're the last of your line right now. Right. So. I'll tag along. Right. Uh, got a uh, first picture from a movie that's coming out next year uh, from the set and uh, revealing a little bit of the cast, which I'm not, I was not yet aware of. Uh, you like Carrie Coon? Yeah. You like Finn Wolfhard? Yeah. Uh, McKenna Grace? Don't know. I, figure, I forget what she's been in. We, we would recognize her from something. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's the single mother and her two children who are apparently going to be the main characters in Ghostbusters. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. So, I'm glad Carrie Coon's getting a major role. Yeah. That's overdue. Yeah. So, yeah. That's some casting news. Uh, apparently, The Mandalorian on Disney uh, cost $15 million per episode. 
Well, I mean, it's Disney. They can... <laughs> they've... That was I read this, this article on Business Insider that was talking about how like Netflix's business model is antiquated because back in the day it used to throw money at these licensing agreements that would say I can exhibit your thing because my own, the only competition to streaming at the time was like pirating illegally or like Hulu which didn't do movies. Yeah. And they're kind of talking about how like when Disney Plus gets launched and they pull these movies from it, they're going to take right now Netflix has the top three grossing movies of last year, the top three grossing movies of, of 2017, and the top three grossing movies of 2016, and they're all Disney. Mm-hmm. So there might be a huge reason why they get, uh, they lose subscribers to Disney+. Plus. But, yeah, thinking about how, like, now Disney can just throw whatever fucking money it wants at a production like that, like, of course they can. $15 million for an episode of The Mandalorian? Yeah. Of course they will. Yeah. Um... Also, news: Rip Torn passed away this week. Yeah. He's a he's an actor from Intergalactic Kegger in the Sky. Yeah. The tweet I saw, I like oh, that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, love me some Rip Torn. He's fantastic in Thirty Rock. Yeah, uh, I've never seen Larry Sanders' show. I've heard that's his like best work. Um, a little bit of news out of the streaming stuff too, uh, and we posted this on Facebook. There's uh, uh, there's a Development going through with uh, Cuphead uh, going to be optioned as a television show on Netflix. It's going to be called The Cuphead Show um, and is going to be a, um, I guess, Moldenhauser, the the guys who created the game, are are not involved in animation, but it's going to be that animation style. Cool. Um, Kind of like a Saturday morning cartoon. They said it's not going to be for kids, which is interesting. Hmm. It's going to be like a little more... The game's not. Yeah. So... Um, but I'm really curious to see what, what form that will take, uh, because kind of the most interesting thing about the game was that it replicated that old style cartoon. So now they're just going to make an old style cartoon. I don't know what the interesting part's going to be, but I'm curious to see what happens with that. We also got some cast photos from the Fast and Furious 9 film. Yep. That's, uh, bringing John Cena into the casts. So, you know, John Cena, it's like, why not? Yeah. Fast and Furious, bring, bring more fun action stars in. Yeah, there's some weird, uh, like, rivalry and kind of, like, off-screen bickering that's been happening between Vin Diesel, The Rock, and John Cena. Uh, I don't know if that's just, you know, egos getting too big or what. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've been... I'm kind of on Team Cena. He's been great in the few films I've seen him in. I think it all started with, uh... Oh, what was the name of that comedy that was so good? The, uh... The one with Bill Hader and... Amy Schumer's Amy comedy Schumer's, that yeah. got train so much wreck. love. Trainwreck. He was fucking hilarious in Trainwreck. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the two funniest people in that movie were neither comedian, but were LeBron James and John Cena. <laughs> is that is that the one where, where John Cena is in a the movie theater and he's trying to get Bill Hader to be quiet and threatens him by threatening to suck his dick? It's yes. Not, it's not Bill Hader. It's some douche. <laughs> okay. Theater, but yeah. <laughs> I love that yeah. scene. Um, if you don't shut up, I'll come back there and suck your dick. Yeah. I will fuck you. <laughs> and the answer, what? <laughs> I will fuck you in the ass. <laughs> um, here's a movie that just got announced. It's strange and surprising. Uh, the movie is going to be called The Jesus Rolls. And, and Lightning Strikes. This is... <laughs> Jesus Rolls. The Jesus Rolls is going to be a spinoff movie starring John Turturro. Oh, yeah. About the bowler. That's been announced for a while now. Uh, it's like uh, pre-production anyway. Okay, so. It's coming next year. Nice. Is it Coen Brothers? I don't know. I, don't know. I think they're producing and writing, but... Okay. 
Probably not directed. Alright. Interesting. Also, Disney recalled their Forky doll. Yeah. Making it actual, now trash. <laughs> um, Alright. Well, well, you, got, you got one option this weekend, as far as what to watch goes. Is nothing opening up against it? No. Alright. They're smart not to. Yeah. yeah, we actually have one thing opening up the next two weekends, so what to watch is going to be boring for... Although, we don't have a lot to watch for the next weekend, so we'll do both now. Oh, yeah, we should. Um, oh, one more piece of news real quick. Interrupt the what to watch timestamp. Uh, we will have a dedicated Season 3 Stranger Things pod going up at some point in the next... Maybe a couple of days from this posting. Maybe next week, but that'll happen. Yep. We're not ignoring it. Just letting y'all know. Fun. We'll do that. Um, this week, Lion King is opening up unopposed. Yep. Um, reviews are not horrible and not good. Um, yeah. Right down the middle, kind of. It's it's really good for headlines because it is rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's at 59%. Yeah. And to be not rotten, you have to be 60%. Yeah. yeah. It's more, more Beauty and the Beast, not Cinderella or Jungle Book. Right. Somewhere in the middle there. Um... So, yeah, I'm still going to see it because it's my, probably my favorite Disney movie. Yeah. But. And then next weekend? Next weekend you have Quentin Tarantino's ninth uh, film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I'm super fucking excited for. Yes. Um, I was talking to Cass, that movie, you know, we, we see the trailers, Cass is like, I don't know if this is so much, just too much star power. You have DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, like, to her, the two best looking humans on the planet. You know what I mean? In one movie, she's like, that's a lot. And then I was like, also, name a bombshell that's like, Oscar award worthy like bigger than Margot Robbie right now there's not a lot yeah like bombshell wise I mean you got like Jennifer Lawrence and Meryl Streep and Amy, Adams, that, yeah. Amy Adams Emma Stone mm-hmm. but like none of them can play Sharon Tate I don't think right you know right so that, like classic 70s blonde right yeah um I don't know Meryl could get it do anything yeah she could probably play the stuntman <laughs> yeah get nominated it's like, why does Meryl Streep have two rows of teeth in? That's still, actually, that's that actually <laughs> is Meryl Streep playing Charlie Manson. <laughs> Man, that guy is so creepy looking in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad because Tarantino is such a history of casting whoever the fuck he wants to, in his movies. Uh, even early, like Pulp Fiction had, you know, 12 superstars in it. Right. Um, that he got a no-name to play Charlie, who just looks exactly like fucking Charles Manson. Yeah. Um... Because I'm sure... I still get excited when Bruce Lee gets on the screen in the trailer. I have no idea what that is going to be. Yeah. I'm super excited to see somebody playing Bruce Lee. <laughs> the Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah. By the way, I'm a little upset that none of you guys were as amused about the idea of Meryl Streep using her dental <laughs> prosthetics person to give herself permanent shark mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alright, that's it. Take us out, Breezy. You got like 20 seconds. All right. uh, (laughs) Do the Facebooks, do the Twitters, do the email, and subscribe. And thank you, Willow Walkers. Willow Walkers. Thank you, Boo Reefa. Boo Reefa. Thank you to you, the listeners. Now I get to vamp for five seconds. Or you you could have just done the outro like normal, and then we could have just slid this a couple seconds. No, this is way more fun. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Kicking rocks down old dusty roads Small town slowpokes long time ago 
Kicking out records of all the things that I know All the things that I know 